You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 67, February 28th, 2023. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. Hey, this is Chef Robert Irvine, and I'm so excited to be back with Skip on the Tech Chef. Strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome back to another episode of The Tech Chef. This is your host, Skip Kimple, and my mission with this show is to take us through all the possibilities tech has to offer in hospitality. This show explores the latest technology trends and developments in the food and hotel industries and is dedicated to sharing insights and knowledge on how technology is transforming the way we operate and generate revenue. From examining the impact of artificial intelligence and robotics on food production and delivery, the Tech Chef covers a wide range of topics that are relevant to all of you. Each episode features industry experts, chefs, and technology thought leaders who share their perspective on the latest trends and innovations in this space. If you're a foodie or a tech enthusiast, or have a passion for hospitality in general, and want to learn how it can help to improve the guest experience, The Tech Chef is the perfect podcast to stay informed and up-to-date on the latest developments. Well, the conference season has officially kicked in, and I will be seeing many of you this next week. Starting off on Sunday, I will be speaking at the International Restaurant and Food Service Show of New York, and that's going to be held at the Javits Center. I will be talking about how technology is changing the landscape of restaurants and digging into the world of Web3 and how it could change the way you approach the concept of loyalty with your guests. If you are attending the show, I will be speaking at 3 p.m., so make sure you don't miss it. Now, without a moment to spare, I will be uttering my last words as I head out the door to catch a flight to Vegas. There, I will see you at Murtech at the Paris Hotel and be speaking at 1 p.m. on Sunday. It is going to be an awesome fire chat where Kevin Sow and I will be doing a session on the Metaverse 101. It has evolved so much just these past few months, I can't wait to share our thoughts on where it was and where it is going. A fascinating chat that is a must-see and one that people will be talking about the rest of the conference. Well, we have a big show today. Big, big show. Did I mention this is a big show? He's been here before and I am honored to have him back. Celebrity chef Robert Irvine joins me for a riveting conversation about all the things that are going on in his life. Everything he does touches or contributes in one way or another to the Robert Irvine Foundation, whose sole mission is to strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our service members, veterans, first responders, and their families. Of course, we're going to be talking about his new book, Overcoming Impossible, and having some very interesting conversations 
ground his thoughts on how technology is a key element to success. We even go so far as to discuss if AI is going to take over the human race. Well, is it? You're going to have to listen to find out. I really enjoy talking to Robert, and I hope you also enjoy our chat. A man that needs no introduction, the one, the only, Chef Robert Irvine. Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to come back on the show and speak to this audience. I know you are extremely busy right now, and we are so appreciative of that. Well, I appreciate you, Skip, and, and all that you do and all the technology advice you give and advice in general. So uh, it's good to be back with you. Now, I normally don't bring a guest on multiple times on the show, but my audience has been asking me to have you back, and I was excited at their enthusiasm. You know, you're a busy man. You've got a lot of new things always coming out. And the last time you were on the show was October 6th, 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Now, at that time, you were one of the first shows back on the road helping restaurants survive during COVID. And the world has changed yet again since that time. My wife and I were in Vegas at the point that COVID was considered a pandemic. And I know you were going through the issue of having to close down and reopening those locations. What was that process like during that reopening? Well, it's funny. Let, let, let me just correct you first and foremost. Uh, we were the only people on the road during COVID doing television. Uh, literally, we shot 66 episodes of Restaurant Impossible through the COVID period. Um, and nobody else was on the road, uh, number one. Number two, um, most of the world shut down for such a long period of time. And I will tell you, Vegas was one of the last um, uh, bastions of hospitality, if you like, to open. We didn't open for a year after COVID. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Were we going to reopen again? How long were we gonna, was it going to take? The casinos were doing terrible. Um, and and I never forget, we were staying at the Four Seasons for three weeks during COVID, shooting restaurants in Vegas, trying to get them ready to open back up again. Uh, and, and we never uh, opened our restaurant till a year after that. And that was kind of scary. Yeah, it was a very scary time because none of us knew what was really going on. But you put a lot of effort into making sure that restaurants survived. And, you know, the community, the restaurant community for sure is certainly grateful for all the stuff that you did during that time. Because you you weren't only helping the people that on the show, but you were giving great advice to all of those restaurateurs out there looking for, you know, how do we make this work? And uh, you did a fantastic job and, and uh, you were certainly recognized for it. Now, during this time, you went through this whole period of creating this new series to help restaurants uh, survive during COVID. But let's talk about what else you've been up to since the last time we talked. I'll start off with your foundation because everything else that we're going to talk about today has some connection with that. And we talked about it the last time you were on the show, but tell us again about the cause and why it is so important. Yeah, the, the, the Robert Irvine Foundation uh, was created in 2014 uh, after working with many other foundations to to make life easier for our men and women that wear the cloth foundation come back from war that couldn't get serviced by 
um, you know, the government, the VA, whoever at that point in time, uh, we, we started the Robert Irvine Foundation.org um, because I wanted to really attack mental and physical health uh, because they're both attributed, uh, attributed to each other. Uh, and food is in the middle of that. So uh, we started 2014. Uh, we, we produce or provide wheelchairs or, or Mobius devices. They're iBots created by Dean Kamen, who, as you well know, created the Segway. So technology has really come into play, not only in the restaurant business, but also in the health providing business. Uh, these wheelchairs stand people up uh, to regular height so they don't feel in, in inferior or insecure, can have a conversation. They can go over terrain, rough terrain. They go up and down the stairs on their own. Um, so, so some great things with, with um, post-traumatic stress dogs that we train. And these are very expensive dogs at 50000 a piece. So, I mean, that's what the foundation does, runs a lot of programs, um, reunion programs. In fact, we've got one coming up for 700 Marines in Camp Lejeune that have not seen each other since um, the Iraq War in 2010. So um, really putting people back together and trying to address a lot of things um, uh, that is created by war and created by, I feel, um, companies not understanding or the government not understanding that it costs money to run these programs. We have a program called Breaking Bread for Heroes where we feed folks every day um, or every week, I should say, in a different base around the country, not only to, to say thank you, but also to educate them about how to purchase food um, on a cheaper version, what to do with that food. Uh, as I said, one in four of our active duty men and women are food insecure, just like the outside world. So we, we're working heavily on that, that as one of our programs. Uh, so, yes, everything we do in my world, the television, the, the distillery, the, the bars, the food, the, everything has a component that feeds into that foundation to help those men and women, not only that we're the cloth of a nation, but also our first responders. Well, that's actually a great segue into our next section. And it is, by the way, very honorable what you're doing for our veterans and our first responders. I have great deal of respect of the effort that you're putting into that. When I was working back at Virtual Dining Concepts, you were coming on board with Robert Irvine's Heroes, which is, a, like I said, baking bread for heroes is a perfect segue. First of all, this is a concept that restaurants can buy into as far as a virtual kitchen. Not only is it great food, but once again, it's giving back to the Robert Irvine Foundation, correct? Correct, yeah. Uh, you know, the American Heroes has been a dream of mine for a long time, putting it onto bases and, and, and offering an alternative to, to dining facilities. Uh, virtual dining concepts came along, and, and there we have it. So it's out in the world as we speak, and it's like everything else. It's a slow burn to, to get to the locations I want to get to, but it's working. And the end result of that is more money um, that goes to the foundation to help on those programs. Now, you had mentioned Irvine Spirits. What, what kind of spirits are you producing? So uh, we're in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Uh, we have two brands, Boardroom Spirits, which is the distillery, which we, I mean, we can, we, do, we can coffee, we can uh, RTDs, 
we make ready to to drinks in bottles. We do vodka, we do gin, we do rum, we do bourbon. And then on the other side, the Irvines, which is a national brand, right now is gin and vodka about to go into RTDs. Um, so that we've had that six years. Um, so again, the same thing with that. Uh, a percentage of that uh, revenue goes into the foundation just like everything else. So American, American dry gin, which is amazing, uh, and vodka. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, we went from 3,000 to 43,000 square feet in the last year. Curious, what makes your vodka and gin and your other spirits different than anything else that's out there? Well, number one, I produced them. Um, uh, I created the recipe. <laughs> I created the. I created the recipe for them. I went to Sri Lanka to pick up the cinnamon for the gin. Wow! Um, I am very, very hands-on in the procurement of the product. Uh, there are chef crafted based on foods that I use and ingredients that I use in food. Um, just like wine pairing, we've got we've got um, spirits pairing. Uh, but they're very unique. Uh, I would put my vodka and gin against any one blind taste and win 10 to 1 uh, on it every time. Wow. Okay. That's quite a claim to make. I can't wait to... And, and the difference is, the difference is, Kip, other people put their name, and I could name, you know, Aviation Gin and all these other people that don't own the brand. True. They put their name on it and get a, a, a royalty. I own the distillery and the brand. Slightly different. Yes, very much so. Another venture you've taken off on is your Fit Crunch bars. Now, I personally love these bars. I eat them all the time. Fit Crunch was started eight years ago because, you know, my kids wouldn't eat breakfast. And uh, <laughs> that was a way, that's how it started. Um, and we ended up making one bar. It was a, a, peanut, uh, a peanut bar and doing, again, something different. I baked the bars. Nobody else in the world bakes bars. Nobody. Uh, I have the only machine that's painted to me. <laughs> um, and it, it would cost a lot of money and a lot of time for somebody to try and recreate it. Um, but we, you know, we started baking bars in a pizza oven uh, and hand making and doing 70,000 bars uh, a day. Now we do 300,000 bars an hour wow. in two plants in Pittsburgh um, that are state-of-the-art plants that we've built. Um, they're in 95,000 retail locations. And now we have 12 SKUs of that bar about to come out with uh, a new wafer bar, new cookies and trail mix. Um, we already have protein powders and loaded cookies. And uh, so we have a can, that's, that's our biggest brand. Um, but yeah, that's that's gone from nothing to from zero to hero kind of thing in, in eight years. So. Yeah. Back when I first tried them in 2020, I think that yeah, I had a very hard time finding them. I ordered them online, but now I see them everywhere. So obviously I could tell you're doing well with that. And once again, you have a campaign around that called Crunch for a Vet. Can you explain that? So uh, this weekend I'll be in Miami at Food and Wine, in fact, tomorrow morning um, after filming. And we we tell uh, gyms and yoga classes and, and, and you name anything to do with fitness, even the military, for every crunch that you do and you video and you send with hashtag quick uh, crunch for a vet, we will match per dollar um, that the, to go to the foundation from fit crunch. So it's interesting. Um, last year in the Mohican sun, we give away a six by six wheelchair 
which is a cross-country wheelchair for people that have a lot of land but can't use it, uh, can't get across it because obviously they're they're handicapped. Uh, so we have a, a wheelchair six by six that actually looks like a tank, um, which is kind of fun that you can do a lot with. So uh, that money always buys that kind of wheelchair. We have a bar, a strawberry strudel bar, that all the money for the last couple of years has gone to Susan G. Komen for cancer. And nice. we've done that again this year. Um, and we and we can constantly create new bars. I mean, I just came out with a uh, chocolate, coconut, and almond bar, um, which is uh, amazing. Uh, apple pie. Uh, I mean, there's so many, so many different flavors that we've created, and they're they're just great, great bars. You know, you're starting to make me hungry now because uh, I love your lemon bar, but um, now I'm anxious to try some of these new flavors. Well, it's interesting because no matter where you go right now, Costco has the best deal on the bars. But like every every um, supermarket or, or, or club store, they have a very specific ask. If you go on to fitcrunchbars.com or amazon.com, you'll be able to see all the brands, not just the ones that the store carries. Interesting. That's good to know. And for my audience, go there and order your bars and help for a good cause as well. Moving on to your network shows, this is where most people know you from. How many seasons are you up to now on Restaurant Impossible? Uh, Restaurant Impossible is season 22. Wow. Uh, so that's 13 years uh, of, of, of that show. Uh, Dinner Impossible uh, came back a couple of years ago. Then we have Cheat Day. Uh, we've got a new show that we're working on with HGTV right now called Weekend Warriors. Uh, waiting for the rest of the this season for Restaurant Impossible to finish. And then we'll see where we go from there. So another one of your episodes was Restaurant Rival. You had the opportunity to work with John Taffer at that time. How was it to work with him? Uh, we're two different people. John is, is a bar guy um, <laughs> that dabbles in food. And I'm a food guy that never dabbles in bar. You know, <laughs> it's not my kind of thing. It was fun. It will never happen again. I, I will guarantee you that just because... He signed another deal with Paramount, oh. which excludes him from doing that. But that's what that show did. It helped him in, in his endeavors moving forward. It was a lot of fun. Um, John and I are friends, so uh, but two totally different human beings. Oh. I'm, a, I'm a T-shirt wearing jeans, and he's a suit um, and never changes kind of guy. So uh, interesting, uh, our, our philosophies but we have the same mission, which is to help people. That is absolutely true. I mean, he definitely has a different approach. I love his candor, and and someday I'd like to get him on the show, but uh, he's as blunt as you can get, where you have more of a humanistic approach to really help people out. Um, Two different personalities, like you said, and I really loved watching that series. So that's why I wanted to ask you about how it was working with him, because I... I, you know, when you see the TV dynamics versus real life, I never know, you know, what's real, and what's what's acting, but it seemed authentic when we watched it. So, okay, let's talk about this whirlwind tour that you're on. Um, everybody is seeing you all over the media. It is the book called Overcoming Impossible. When did this book come out? It was just recently, correct? Came out on Valentine's Day, the 14th oh. uh, of the, uh, February. Um, uh, right now, it stands at number one, which I'm very happy about wow. um, for entrepreneurship and, and business. 
Um, obviously, that changes day by day. But right now, it's number one. It has been since its launch. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Why did I create a business book as opposed to a cookbook or a fitness book like we've done in the last six uh, books? Because I felt that after doing Restaurant Impossible for 13 years and helping businesses from mom and pop to Fortune 500 companies, that I needed to to clone myself, you know, 50,000 times to be able to help those people that are asking for help. So uh, a year ago, uh, I asked um, my ghostwriter who's, who works with me on my magazine, he's the editor of my magazine, Matt Tuthill, let's change course of direction and say, look, let's have a, a business book that teaches not only my failures, but also the failures of most businesses that I deal with, including Fortune 500 companies. So it starts off with, with you know, some of my failures, some of my wins, but really three categories of empathetic leadership, losing egos, your own and whoever you work with, and trust. Uh, and I made that book simply because I wanted those people we couldn't help in restaurant possible and business to be able to read something. And it's not a, it's not a book that's going to teach you do this, check, do that, check, do that, check, and be successful. It's real life um, and, and trying to show you the pitfalls that happen and that happened to me um, so you don't, you don't fail twice at the same thing. So for everybody listening, this book is not just for restaurateurs. This is for the business individual, the entrepreneur that is looking to become successful and stay successful, correct? Absolutely. It's also for, it's also for families too. Uh, you know, I, I laugh at when people, and if you read the jacket on the back, the CEO of Walmart, Doug McMillan, the CEO of Comcast, NBC, Universal, uh, Laurie Grenier from Shark Tank, all the people that I do business with uh, that are successful entrepreneurs and their stories about scaling and, and why you do certain things at a certain time and setting up for success uh, in the early stages and not when you're halfway through it. So are there some key basic business tactics that the readers will learn from reading your book? Oh, for sure. I mean, the first one is, is always the biggest failure in, in business is leadership and vision, delegation, and execution, right? Um, then the next thing is, how do I scale from a, a small business to a medium to a large business? And there's a story about lemon poppy seed pancakes in there. Why? You'll see when you read it. Um, all about scaling and, and egos and start with the end in mind. There's lots of, I mean, it's full of nuggets of information. Uh, and, and the reason it's for everybody, not just the restaurant business, is because it depends where you want to be. Not everybody wants to be a $50 million company. Right. Some people are happy at $2 million. It's going to take you to the next level where you feel you need to be. Now, you know, I'm a technology guy. So do you talk at all about technology and the mindset of technology and, and maybe even social media? Well, we talked about technology many, many times. And let me tell you, I'm a big investor in technology, um, not only from a point of sale. Um, in fact, tomorrow I'll be um, uh, with Grubber, who is my new partner on technology 
for front and back of the house and stadiums filming. Uh, I think that's going to change our speed to service, bearing in mind that now we have um, Chippy and Flippy. And what does that mean? <laughs> McDonald's and Chipotle are using machinery and robots to create their chips, um, their, their French fries, their hamburgers. Um, our industry is going to go through this amazing shortage of people already has. It's going to get even worse. So how do we replace those, uh, what I call mundane, mundane tasks, you know, washing dishes, et cetera, et cetera, making French fries, flipping burgers, you know, it's going to be technology, whether we like that or not. Um, Japan is already into it in a big way. Uh, and I think you're going to see the United States follow suit in a really quick fashion because we just don't have the people to be able to step into those positions anymore. What do you think happened to those people? I, I, I mean, I only throw this at you, but it, as an industry, we're trying to figure out where did everybody well, number go? Number one, well, it's really simple. Number one, we don't have uh, the amount of um, new births that we have had in previous years. The same people, meaning our military, technology, uh, bankers, you name it, any type of business, are going after the 500,000 people per year that are, that are eligible for the workforce. Um, our military is suffering tremendously because we're being paid more outside getting better benefits than we can get in the military. Um, and you can see the shortage of our, our recruitment in all branches of the military. Yes. Because somebody is paying more for technology, cybersecurity, you know, there's health benefits. You can work from home. You can do, you know, all these things that, that are generating um, this loss of the workforce in a, a workforce area, you know, an office, a, a restaurant, um, uh, you know, whatever that case may be. And I think we're all, we're all fighting for the same thing, but kids are saying, well, look, I can make, instead of 40,000 there, I can make 60 or 70 over here. I can get my health care. I can do four days a week in the office, three days at home, um, adaptable work, work hours or, or whatever. And why should I go and do this job for less money? Uh, as much as you love the country, uh, money is, you know, to, to a Gen X, Gen Z, they want money and they want it now. We want, we, we're a, a, a nation of instant gratification. Uh, and that's changed over the years. We haven't just found that out. It's, it's been happening for years, but nobody's touched it. And we find ourselves in a crunch. Look at your gardens. Look at who's doing the, the, the mowing of the lawns now. If it's not you and you pay a service, there's nobody there. It's a remote control guy or, or machine that does it. You know, I see football clubs doing the same thing. We can go to a stadium, uh, and this is what excites me about our conversation a second ago. You can go to a football stadium, have 22 different outlets of food, go to one stanchion, um, put in what you want from each of those those restaurants, and have it delivered to your seat based on a barcode and your credit card. Yeah. So, so technology is, I mean, really changing over. Austin G. Wells said it many years ago, uh, and people laugh when I bring this up, but read it. You know, our world has changed, but somebody saw this years ago and already talked about it, and now it's really happening. Well, on that point, 
I'd love to get your input on AI because AI has taken a strange shift and it has been accelerated over the past, gosh, even six months. Well, I'll chat GBT and all of this stuff that's coming out there. What are your thoughts around this? I mean, I even saw some regulation that's about to happen on AI itself. Are we headed in the right direction? Are we headed for the, the world of AI taking over the human race? I mean, everybody's kind of wondering at this point. Right now, right now, I would say yes. Yeah, it's you scary. Know, it, it is scary, but but the alternative, and again, go back to where we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago uh, in restaurants, right? The style of restaurants that used to happen. It was white tablecloth, great service. Uh, we paid the we paid for for great service, and if we didn't get good service, we didn't tip very well. Now, it, now the tips already involved in, in you don't get a choice, right? No matter where you go to Starbucks or you go somewhere else, you're paying a tip, which I don't agree with, by the way, um, because that's what we pay for. Right. I think AI AI is changing um, the face of everything we do, not just restaurants, gas stations. Um, Look at look at the peopleless stores that we have right now with Walmart and some other and some other folks. You know, at some point, what will we need folks to do? <laughs> Maybe fill shelves somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> if we have robots to do that. Um, do I think it's changing? Yes, and and I've invested in those changes. Why do I why do I do that? Because I feel that the people that that we do have. Are not displaced from work. We're just reimagining what that work is for them, that allows them to get paid, allows them to have, have um, a job that they really want to do in a place they want to do it. I mean, look at look at Fortune 500 companies now. They have receptionists that live in in India or or you know, you know, pick a country uh, where our call centers are. We have virtual secretaries. Yes. It, it's, it's, you know, and, and the list goes on, right? So, yes, do I believe it's changing for the better? Um, that's yet to be seen, I think. I, I think you would agree with me on this, that literally the last six months it is taken, at least from an exposure level um, to the public, it's taken a major leap. Now, we've been watching it from an industry perspective and a technology perspective, and it's been plugging along pretty steadily you know, some of the recent things, you know, with the New York Times reporter having that conversation with the Bing Chats agent, I mean, mm-hmm. pretty scary stuff. And when you've got Chat GPT being able to write code that could technically go out there and, you know, hack systems if you ask it to, I don't know if that's too far fetched, quite honestly. Well, listen, look, we, we, you know, this goes on way before that. You know, like we talked about cryptocurrency and, and, yeah. You know the the supply chain being hidden. It's never been hidden because we have the we have ways to be able to trace that period. Um, you know, you, you look at uh, the couple that stole three point six billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, right? And it went into the abyss. Well, it took six years, but they broke the code to find them, right? So, so can we break codes? Yes, I mean, geez, we we've been breaking codes since the wind talkers, exactly, <laughs> and creating codes. Um, there's always, there's always a weak point, but, but do I feel that, um, it's needed? Uh, yes, I do at the moment. I, I feel that our industries are behind other countries. 
Yes. You know, uh, and many in many different facets, not just our military and, and nuclear warheads and, you know, all these other things that, that, that we hear about so much over the last couple of weeks. But AI, think about this. We have, we have a, a, a thing in our military that's 30,000 30, times more powerful than a nuclear warhead that we can put onto a plane or, or somebody can hold on the shoulder and do as much devastation times 30 as a nuclear warhead. That's AI, right? I don't need, I have an unmanned warship that, that used to carry 240 men, now is controlled by a 19-year-old kid sitting in a box in the middle of nowhere, but sending that ship from the United States to, to Portsmouth, docking it, and here we are. We have a warship with, with uh, missiles on that's not manned. So I, I don't know the, the end, <laughs> you know, war of the world kind of end, but uh, I find it really fascinating. I do too, and it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. Robert, I know you've got a tight schedule, so before I let you go, I'm going to lighten things up here a little bit because we got pretty heavy at the end there, uh, but it's fascinating conversation. I could definitely talk to you all day long. To end, tell me something that the average person does not know about Robert Irvine. Oh, my goodness. Skip, I can tell you, <laughs> I don't think there's anything that people don't know. My my life the last, you know, 18 years has been an open book. My relationship, my wife and kid, I mean, there's there's nothing that people don't know. Um, I'm a heavy investor in, in, in a lot of businesses, and I find that the game of, for me, is I cook on television. I cook for our military, but that's about it. My wife is a, a an amazing cook. She cooks at home for me. People may not know that, but she posts a lot of pictures, so maybe they do. Uh, I find business exhilarating. And, and why do I say exhilarating? Because it's the game of when somebody says, oh, you'll never be able to do that, and yet you master it, and, and you come out on top and you say, well, look, I did this, and that's what's in that book, Overcoming Impossible. How to master something when somebody says, you can't do that. And tenacity and drive and things like that are what gets me up in the morning, especially when somebody says you can't do it, or you're fighting uh, you know, a, a thousand or one people to get something done. Uh, but most people know that. So I, I don't think there's anything they don't know. Well, that's interesting you say that because I think – because of that attitude, you and you and I have a special connection because I have the same thing. My entire career has been built upon, oh, I don't think that can be done. You can't do that. And I've always been the one to say, yes, you can. We just need to find a way to do it. And I always do find a way. There, where there's a will, there is a way. Totally agree. And And by the way, you know, people ask me all the time, so what is balance? There is no balance. There is no balance if you're a type A personality and you go from one project to another to be successful because you create a team around you that hopefully you listen to, but you take them on that journey with you. So they are your, your, your friends, your husbands, your wives, your confidants, your, you know, all those, all those things that, that we look for in a spouse your team becomes that also. Yes. And I'm lucky my wife has a last say in most of the stuff I do anyway. But I, I feel that when people say, oh, you've got to balance your life. No, you don't. Balance is surrounding yourself with great people 
that you allow to to partake in that conversation. Well, there's another area that you and I agree with. My wife definitely is the um, my sounding board for everything that I do. So, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us here on The Tech Chef. We are constantly watching your career, your growth, your charitable contributions to our veterans and first responders. I look forward to hanging out with you once again, once your life settles down a little bit after this book launch. And uh, certainly all the best to you, your continued success in everything that you do. I appreciate it, Skip. And keep and keep your eye on that AI, dude, because uh, it's it's coming fast and furious. Love, love, love that guy. He is somebody you could hang out with all day. And again, you'd have to be able to keep up with him in order to do that. So maybe that isn't such a good idea after all. I honestly have not met another human being that is that active and working on so many projects at one time. He truly has learned how to overcome the impossible. If you'd like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. You can also go to the website skipkimple.com for all of the archive shows, including the show notes. You can also hear these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can email me at any point in time at skip.kimple at constrata.io. So, New York Food Show, Murtech, lots of places to meet up and say hello. So please do so. I always look forward to hanging out and catching up with all of you. And if you would like to be on the show and are up to something unique that you think the audience would like to hear, let me know. I will have my recording gear with me during this trip. Also, for anybody that is interested in the world of virtual reality and augmented reality and want to learn how this is going to impact the world of hospitality, this would also be a good time to strike up a conversation. I have just started up a brand new committee for the VR AR Association, and we are looking for like-minded leaders that want to help revolutionize the customer experience. This billion-dollar industry is literally untapped when it comes to the hospitality space. You know, after Murtech, that Toby Malbach and I must do our obligatory coverage of the show. So for those of you that are not able to attend, be on the lookout for that podcast very soon. Well, it's time to prepare, pack, and get ready for these upcoming trips. So to all of you, I say, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Yeah.